This week on Merchants of Change, we've got Bill Cavanaugh. Bill played football at Bentley University and then spent the next 16 years in the trenches as a coach. Today, he's an account executive at Blue Mantis after spending a couple years at Barracuda. Here he is, Bill Cavanaugh. I'm J.R. Butler, co-founder and CEO of The Shift Group, and you're listening to Merchants of Change. This is a podcast about transferring the skills and behaviors we acquire as athletes and military veterans into becoming a professional salesperson. Each week, we'll introduce you to a top performer who will help us understand how they became professional merchants of change. What's up, kid? Today on the show, we've got Bill Cavanaugh, or as I like to call him, Coach Cav. Bill, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yep, yep. And uh, for context, for any new listeners, uh, Merchants of Change is a show for new salespeople and, and people who are considering a career shift into sales. And our mission at Shift Group is to help elite athletes and military veterans become elite sales professionals. And all of our guests are, are former athletes or veterans who've gone on to found success, find success in sales. Um, and we always like to start at the beginning, right? Start with the, the sports and your coaching career. So really broad question to start. Um, I'm going to ask you, like, if, if, if I were to say, hey, g- give me some of your favorite memories of playing football, where does your mind drift off to? Yeah, well, um, I got to Bentley University as a, a student athlete in the year 2000, um, came into a program with unbelievable successes, you know, uh, over the, the 90s. Uh, my freshman year, we were a five and six football program, um, which wasn't really what, what uh, Bentley was used to. Um, the next three years, our, our group of guys was able to take that thing um, my sophomore year to a nine and two record, my junior year to a 10 and one record and my senior year to an 11 and all record in the, um, first NCAA appearance, um, for football, Bentley university in, in school's history in division two playoffs. So, um, you know, that's what I think of great group of guys. Um, just, just an awesome group to be a part of and, and obviously have a bunch of success. Yeah, and I know we got connected through your kind of Bentley network, and and I was on a a great college team like that as well. And it's it's always I always find it interesting that those types of teams create really lifelong lifelong friendships. It's it's really special experience to be part of something like that. Um, when you what about when I ask you about coaching? What are what are some of your favorite memories from coaching? I, I kind of break that into probably my stops, right? Um, I started coaching for my father. So uh, that was at UMass Dartmouth right out of school. Um, There was so much, uh, you know, so much enjoyment in working with my dad who had watched do that for, you know, 20 years prior. Um, And then I went to Stonehill College for a quick stop with a a great friend, um, Rob Talley. Uh, we took a, a team there in one year that I think they had won an average of one or two games a year um, for the previous 10. We won five. So that was great. Um, then I went out to Penn State and, and uh, really had an unbelievable experience there through highs and lows. Um, 
but uh you know really you see the the b52 flyover in the rose bowl my first year at penn state um when you think about uh trying to take your career to the highest level i mean and there's nothing better than uh being in the rose bowl in front of a hundred thousand people on on new year's day so um and then lastly i spent eight years at my alma mater back at bentley university and um you know we we built that program and again it's a program with great success but early on we were we were a 500 football team um the last two playing seasons we won a conference championship and uh made our first ncaa division two playoff appearance in 17 years um that was my last season as the head coach so um that's what i'd quickly go to my main thoughts but it kind of breaks down by stop Unbelievable. Like said, as a son of a coach, I can totally appreciate how special it is to coach with your father. It's, it's, it's a unique experience and, you know, Penn State on, on the rolls. I can't even imagine that. Talk about pressure, man. That's awesome. Um, when, when, when you think back to your coaching career, the, 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 the best kids you coach, and I'm not talking about skill wise, like what, what are the traits or character characteristics that your favorite players that you coached all shared. Yeah, you know, uh, I'll mess up the line, right? But it's something that I always think about, and it's delivered differently by different coaches. But the the most important kind of ability is reliability. Um, and, and when it comes down to it, your best players, your most successful players, you know, the the guys who are getting it done day in and day out. They're consistent and they're reliable. End of story. I look at, um, you know, those two guys that you see right there. Um, that's Mike Motti and Jordan Hill. In that game there, we beat the snot out of Iowa um, with about 55 scholarship players at Iowa on Saturday night. Uh, those two guys there, there's a reason they're on my wall because that's who they are. And I uh, try and take that into to my work every day. 100%. That's awesome. That's so cool. Um, how do you think your your Bentley players would describe you as a coach? Um, you know what? It probably depends on, uh, you know, what generation, right? Because uh, early on, I came in there full of steam. And, you know, we had some some changes that, that we needed to make. And, you know, there were some things that uh, I felt I needed to put my foot down on. But uh, one of the, the man management lessons that I learned throughout my time there is really to, to get to know and to learn from your subordinates or your players. Um, so as our program got on a, a more solid foundation, um, we were able to um, really learn from our kids, what, what fueled our kids, what they needed, what they needed for support. Um, so, so that changed. I, I was a lot more of a yeller and a screamer in years one, two, and three um, than I was in in years you know five, six, and seven. And I think that you know that that speaks for for confidence. That speaks for for you know somebody who has you know faith in their team and is prepared. Uh, that that yeller and screamer and the coaching at, at environment that's not always the the best way to be um so uh the same thing goes really in management 
handling accounts and things like that. You know, you handle things with the, with a calm attitude and, um, you know, uh, the willingness to, to solve problems and work through problems together. Uh, don't overreact to things. Um, you know, I think is, is probably something that, that has helped me in, you know, my second career now. Absolutely. Um, the, the coaching background is, is huge. Um, as you know, I've, we've helped a few of your fellow coaches uh, make the transition. And, and like speaking of that transition period, that's kind of when you and I first met. And, yeah. you know, you spent a huge part of your life playing and coaching football. I, I, I have to imagine you were just dreaming of the day that you could help businesses secure their email data, network, and apps, right? <laughs> well, well, you know, I, in, in a way, it was like, uh, it really just, it was a move that was going to be made, um, you know, for personal decisions and personal um, choice, taking care of my family. But, uh, you know, it, it's really been a rewarding uh, role for me. And uh, I've gotten to meet some great people. I've built some really strong relationships. It's just not, um, it's it's just not showing up, punching in the clock. I've been able to to build relationships in, in this the same way I have with with coaching friends, and uh, you know that that's rewarding for me. And that that personal aspect of the transition, especially for coaches, I think is underappreciated um, by the market. Right, like. I don't think people quite realize the the dedication and and effort it takes to be a coach at that level. Yeah. Um, so I always laugh when you know we got a we got a, a guy who's who's coached at that level going through our program and interviewing, and they're like, "Well, I don't know if he if, if he's going to be overwhelmed." And I'm like, "Dude, <laughs> he just worked like seventy hours a week for like pennies on the dollar. Trust me, he's not going to mind showing up and cold calling for." eight hours or nine hours a day. You know what I mean? The, the, the great deal that you always got when you, you know, Oh, what do you do for work? Well, I'm a football coach. Oh, cool. You know, what do you do in the off season or what do you, you know, what else do you do? And it's like, man, if you only knew, you know, that, that, what do you do in the off season question? It was always one for me. It's like, Oh man, if you only knew. Yeah, totally. Now you talked about some of the positives. What, what was the hardest part of making the transition for you? Yeah. People people um you know you grow close with your kids uh as a coach and um i thought that when when i was stepping away from bentley i was stepping away from an unbelievably talented group of kids um but but the right group of kids the kids that i wanted in the program that are doing things um academically and athletically the way you would want your own kid to do it um, so it, it's one of those things where like a potential move comes up and, uh, there's always that next group of kids that you don't want to let down that next, that next group, that next win, that next thing that you're chasing, um, which that really eats at you. Um, and for me, it came to a point where I was never going to let down that, that team. And I needed to, to go and look at the, the team in my own house and, and, you know, really do what was right for, for them as well. And, and I really am glad that I was able to make that, that decision. I, I'm glad that I was able to earn the opportunities that, that um, I've been able to earn. Uh, and it has been a, a, a rewarding job. There are things about football that you miss, uh, about, you know, that team aspect that you miss. 
Um, but there, there's a lot of reward in, in, you know, helping people on another side as well, which I've, I've been able to learn and, um, have some fun with as well. Yeah. And I think sales is a great place to land for all the reasons that, you know, my company exists because sales is still a team sport, right? And, and there's a lot of similarities on competitiveness and, you know, the meritocracy of it all. But I'm curious to know, like, if, if another coach called you, other than obviously sending them to shift crew, um, <laughs> and, and they were looking to make a similar change, yeah. how would you advise them to approach that, that transition? Yeah, I, I think the first thing is, and, and we touched on it a little bit earlier, is like understanding that not everybody has a great understanding of what you've been doing for the last X amount of years. Um, so it takes a, a certain fit, uh, just like in, in recruiting a student athlete, it takes a certain fit to understand um, what the person coming into the program or the organization is all about, right? I was able to meet with a, a great number of former coaches uh, that are in tech sales right now. Everybody had um, a different experience, but when it came down to it, it was finding the place that, you know, they felt um, understood them and understood what they were about, understood their experience and really gave them, you know, the opportunity to go out and, you know, earn uh, a good solid paycheck or earn the business. And, and, um, you know, I was lucky enough and, and, and I met with people in the startup world. I met with people and, you know, vendors and manufacturing. I met with, um, resellers. Uh, I was able to meet with a, a, a large, broad, you know, group of, of people who all had different experiences. Um, but when it comes down to it, you know, this is no different, like finding your team, um, finding the place that you want to be um, it, it is about the people. 100%. I, that's actually the advice we give is it's not a, the product. All that stuff is is secondarily to who you're going to be working for and with. That's the most important part. Just like when you pick a college, right? Like yeah. who's the coach? Who's the coach? What are the players like? That's why they do official visits. Like those are those are things that are critical. And I think the nugget there for those listening is you got to go and have conversations. You got to talk to as many people as you can who have been through it. Um, and, and I think that's huge. Now, kind of going back to those early days of, of working at Barracuda, when you think about those, those times, what was hard for you and, and what really came naturally? What was hard for me? I think the, the overwhelm of like uh, acronym soup is like <laughs> essentially the, the biggest thing for me. And, and you start to, you know, in any place, you're going to go through these virtual trainings and try to figure out products and solutions and, you know, understanding a whole different, like, just, it's a, it's a whole different world, a, a, a whole different way of communicating. And you walk in there, you get into your first meeting and, uh, there are so many letters being thrown around. You have no, you have, don't know which way is up. Um, for me, uh, what I was able to do is just kind of take a step back, um, do my training, but was really able to like learn by just getting on the phone, having conversations, you know, building certain opportunities and, and learn on the fly. And in my role, I was lucky enough to be able to say, Hey, I really don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm going to get you in touch with the, you know, 
the best person for the job and I won't leave you hanging. My job is to get you answers when you need them. My job is to get you the right people when you need them. End of story. You sit on enough calls at that point, uh, you, you actually begin to feel like you know what you're doing. And um, knowing what your role is, is is hugely important too, right? Where it's, you know, uh, go back to some type of a football analogy, right? You know, everybody has their own position. And my position is definitely not uh, to be the technical resource on, on any call or in any opportunity. My job is to make sure that certain action items are followed up on. I need to chase down the conversations and I need to make sure that all parties, you know, uh, have an understanding of what we're trying to achieve. Totally. It, it really is like you call it acronym soup. It, it is like drinking from a fire hose. But I think one thing that's like discounted a little bit, especially on the coaching side, right? When you when you think about like a like an offensive play call in, in football, you've got formation, play type, offensive yeah. line protection scheme and the cadence. And there's like, you know, probably a thousand different variations of that call, right? So it's like you kind of have that foundational structure of like learning new things and, and putting them into a system, but now everything is different. So it is, it is hard to make that gap. Um, what, what was, what came pretty naturally to you right off the bat? You think just, just talking with people, um, and, and being honest. Right. Um, so I, I had the the freedom and support to be very honest with customers said, here's where I came from. Right. And all I can tell you is that you're not going to be looking for me when you need me. End of story. And, um, that's really how I was able to build my business in the first year of Barracuda, which was, you know, had some great success there. Um, my customers knew that they could count on me. My customers knew that, uh, you know, when there was an issue, uh, I'd be there, you know, and, uh, that gives me great confidence to just be able to say, Hey, have you looked at X? You you know that you can trust me to take care of it when it's not so good. Um, but what I'd like to do is maybe engage you in a conversation about, you know, maybe a different product or a different solution that we're discussing. And, and um, when customers or teammates or, you know, whoever it may be, trust you, uh, those conversations are a lot easier to, to have. Yeah. And, and and that I'm sure came pretty naturally to you from, from coaching, right? Like in, in terms of your approach to sales and building relationships, it's, it comes down to honesty, I feel like, based off what you just said. For sure. And, and that's the way I, I like to recruit. That's the way we're, we recruited at Penn State under two phenomenal head coaches. That's the way we're, we recruited at um, Bentley for, for my time there. Um, honesty. You know, what is the expectation of your role? What will be expected of you when you, you know, you get onto campus in the, you know, football program, uh, around the football program or academically? You know, um, I think that uh, having that honest approach to recruiting or to to a a sales relationship uh, goes a heck of a long way. And if you don't start with that trust, something's going to falter in in the end. Um, It's the same thing about, you know, well, you know, Johnny's a really good wide receiver, so we're going to give him special treatment when he comes in here. (laughs) That comes back to get you. 
it, it always does. At some point, it usually is at the biggest, most important time, uh, which is, you know, the same thing here in, in handling accounts. It's like at some point, um, the rubber is going to meet the road and, and honesty and trust is, is going to be what, you know, carries you through any issues. hundred percent. Now, one of the things that I always, I always, when I talk to sales leaders that are considering hiring from us is we talk about this idea that athletes, coaches, and veterans, they come from a, like a very structured environment, right? And, and you know, this from your, your coaching days, like I've seen, the manual at the beginning of the season for like Holy Cross football. And yeah. they know exactly where they're going to be like in August on like October 15th on a Wednesday afternoon. Yeah. Um, and, and we find that that if you can bring that over to your sales career, it, it pays dividends. So I, I, I would love to dig in a little bit about like the operating rhythm that you've developed as a, as a sales professional. How do you think about structuring a day and a week as an account executive? Well, I think one of the things that's actually hardest for, for players in the transition like that is if you look at, at that example that you just gave is they're being told where they're going to be. So someone else is responsible for that level of organization and that level of clarity. And for you to be able to, you know, what we try to do as coaches is make it so Johnny wakes up in the morning and he knows what he needs to do. He knows how to do it. And we try to make that as as easy and simple as we possibly can for that, that team to be successful, right? But now when I go into sales, as much as you have support in different areas in the you know organization, when it comes down to it, you're your own team, right? And you know, you, for us at, at Barracuda, you know, we were doing our own prospecting, we were you know running our own calls, closing it and servicing those accounts straight across the board. Uh, so, you know, that's that's building a team from from the ground up and, and you know, needing to make sure that, um, you know, you're doing what's right. So now we get into, you know, the scheduling aspect of things. It's different for everyone, but um, finding quiet time is probably the hardest. And I don't think that that's done within the nine to five. Um, yeah. That's where elite salespeople, elite anyone is going to get this done outside of the normal business hours. Because I need to sit in front of my desk, whether it be four or five in the morning or midnight, depending on, you know, how my things are going. I need to be able to sit in front of my computer and make sure that I've handled what needs to be handled, right? I kind of, you know, group things into, you know, that prospecting, active accounts, right? And then what I'm, what I'm trying to work on. But I want to go to bed every night knowing that the next morning when I wake up, um, you know, I, I've taken care of everything from the day before. And everybody has woken up in that morning, you know, maybe not knowing your schedule that clearly, not knowing what you have for a call, or, you know, if you're lifting legs or upper body or something like that, it's like when you don't have that, that awareness of your day, you struggle, you struggle. You know, what I, what I, one uh, token that I found works really well for me is I'm going to work late nights and, and early mornings. That's just kind of who I am. Um, but I found that when I get that work done at night, uh, I, I send all my emails for, for 7.55 a.m. 
um, essentially, whether that's internal or, or external, uh, I want the first thing somebody sees is that I'm on top of their account or I'm on top of this, this issue for them. I don't want to, you know, uh, take time out of somebody's day that that might be with their family. So when I go to, to work at my own time, I send those emails for 755. There's a lot of people internally in my time at Barracuda that, that might get six, seven, eight emails from me at 755 a.m. But, uh, they know that I'm on top of certain projects and, and then they can take their time and follow up the way, the way they need to. Um, so it's extra work. <laughs> extra work's going to get you where you want to be. And there's, there's no secret to that. No, no, it's it, there's no silver bullet, man. It's it's hard hat and lunch pail for sure. Yeah. Um, what what are can you share like one or two like hard earned sales lessons that you've learned that you rely on most days? Like my example is always my one of my first sales meetings ever. Customer asked me a question instead of doing the right thing and like telling him I had no idea what he was talking about. I I faked it. And I thought the meeting went great. And my, my boss after the meeting was like, that guy's never going to call us again because <laughs> you clearly bullshitted him, JR. <laughs> um, and, and now, like, anytime someone says something and I'm like, I don't understand, I will say, I don't understand what you're saying or I don't know the answer, but yeah. I will go find it. What are, what, what's something like that for you that, that you call on every day? It's just funny that you say it that way. It's like, man, I, I'm able to use my lack of knowledge to my advantage all the time. I always say, yes, I, I, you know, I'm going to tell you we can do this, JR, but I really don't know. And I'm going to lean on, you know, certain resources to make sure that, that they hold me accountable. Right. Um, but I, I think the first thing that, that I learned was, you know, focusing on small goals, right? So when I got the Barracuda, it, it was even in the first meeting I had with um, the hiring manager, uh, AJ Grant at the time. And he said, it's a, it's a numbers game. Like you need to create three to five opportunities a week. And if you create three to five opportunities a week, you will have success. So for the first six months I was at Barracuda, I, that was the only thing I focused on. You know, I, I relate this to like, hey, I want to bench press 400 pounds. I want to squat 500 pounds. Well, that's fantastic. But that takes, you know, X amount of work, X amount of reps in order to get there. Right. So um, I looked at this as I'm going to treat this as I talk to, you know, my football team going into the off season or the preseason, it's one step at a time, right? So I had one goal in mind and that was to have enough conversations to where I can create the opportunities that I was told by my coach lead to success. So, um, Early on, all I did was was try to take care of the, the active accounts at Barracuda, um, try to, to make sure that I had conversations with each and every one of them. And, uh, you know, opportunities kind of came up. So um, when they asked me what my one goal was, it was to talk to all 90 of my customers. That was it. I just wanted to speak to them. And I felt like I would learn in the process and obviously get some opportunities out of it as well. So um, it was kind of funny there and just going back to that, to that point, right. Where um, I was just grinding on opportunities and not really thinking about anything else. Um, 
come to to find out at the end of like six months and I didn't even know a lot of the metrics that people reps were being evaluated on. And they're like, you, <laughs> you've, you've created twice as many opportunities as anybody else in the company. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, I, I'm just... I'm just grinding. I need to have the conversations. If my calendar, you know, uh, if my calendar's not full, then I don't feel like I'm doing my job. I was told, get out there and talk to people. So um, that that was funny. It was like six months to the day where that, they threw out this um, opportunities created dashboard. And I was like, man, I, I guess I am doing something. And, <laughs> and six months later, um, it all came around, to, you know, the 12th month on the job where you know, uh, business closed and, and it was a, it was a successful year, but it, it, it came from, you know, the daily grind, right. Not missing, uh, not missing a lift. Um, yeah. Yep. And, and shout out to AJ Grant. He's, he's shaped a lot of young men and women into sales professionals and question for you, uh, coach, do you miss coaching at all? I do. I do. Um, I miss the kids. I miss, practice. I miss games. Um, there are plenty of things that I don't miss as well. And, um, you know, I, I certainly, you know, when it's convenient, I get that itch big time. I'm like, uh, Labor Day weekend, it's football season again. It's like, I, I want to be out there, but, uh, quite honestly, you know, um, in my new, my new life, my new career, like, I know what type of commitment that that takes to be successful. And uh, that's why when, when somebody does ask me, it's like, are, are, are you going to go back? You know, um, I, I feel like I found really good balance in what I'm doing now. And there's there's a competitive aspect to it. Um, you know, a lot of the, the, the chase, you know, probably affects your family um, a little bit more positively. Um, you know, in, in this role. So, uh, there's plenty that I miss. Most importantly, it's, it's the people, you know, obviously chasing victories is, is, you know, really fun too, but, um, quick side note, you know, uh, was able to take my parents, my wife and my parents last night to the Eagles concert at the garden. Um, which was just something that in 20 years of coaching, I, I never had a minute to do anything like that. And uh, we had an unbelievable time. We just, you know, really had fun building, you know, different different memories. And um, I think that those are the types of things that I wanted to do when I was able to make this change. Um, so uh, grateful for for opportunities like that, you know. Totally, totally. And, and and listen, there's still like, like you said, right, you're chasing wins. They're just different. The scoreboard's yeah. different, yeah. but there's still a scoreboard and there's still that adrenaline rush when, when you bring one across the goal line. You know there what really I mean? Is. There really is. Totally. Um, all right. These are our last two closing questions and we ask every guest these. So um, if we asked you to highlight one of your skills that's made you elite so far as a salesperson, what would it be? Yeah. When I think about that immediately, what comes up is communication. And I I don't think that, that any organization can be successful without great communication. I don't think any leader can be successful without, you know, a great ability and willingness to communicate. So, um, 
whether it be my manager and managing up and, and explaining what maybe I need for support um, or clearly laying out, uh, you know, an opportunity or a potential relationship um, that I'm trying to work on, whether it be internally or externally, communication is going to, to help absolutely um you know every relationship that you have and the relationships are are in my mind what what produces totally totally um and 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 relationships are built off communication that's that's a phenomenal like elite communication is is critical um now you'll appreciate this my as a as a son of a hockey coach my dad hammered into our heads this idea of professionalism. He used to say when we were little, there's a lot of people that play hockey, but there's not a lot of hockey players, right? And it was about like living and breathing yeah. the sport and like really taking it seriously and, and showing up every day as a pro, even as an eight-year-old, which is yeah. crazy, but it led to great outcomes for us. And and now like when when I talk about salespeople, there's there's certain people that I'm like that person is a pro right and and we think that's the highest praise that you can give a a, a salesperson. So what does being a pro in sales? What does that mean to you? Yeah, uh, the first thing that comes to to mind there, Jr. is being able to navigate the bumps in the road, being able to navigate the ups and downs of your day, your career. Um, you know, shoot a, any certain situation, right? Uh, for us to think that everything is going to be perfect throughout each and every day is absolutely insane. So when things are really low, when things are bad, how do you handle it? How do you react? How do you behave? All right. And then, you know, how do you grow from that, that certain, you know, circumstance? So, um, I think about, you know, I'll go back to those two guys right there. Those two guys and their teammates in the 2012 Penn State football team that was hit with the most severe sanctions um, ever to be dropped on a on an NCAA football program. Um, those guys right there knew how to persevere through some some difficult times, and they did it with class. Um, you, you look at that, uh, you know, shoot, uh, you know, just even inter-office gossip of like, oh, man, they changed this on us and now I'm pissed. Well, you know what? You, you, you got to get over that real fast and get on to the next thing and um, go do your job. So uh, navigating the tough times is, is what, you know, what I think makes a, a professional salesperson. 100%. This was, Bill, thank you so much. This was an awesome conversation, man. So many great nuggets for our for our candidates and, and for those that come across our, our podcast to, to kind of listen to what we do. So thank you so much for giving us the time, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, JR, thanks a lot. I mean, I can't speak highly enough for, for what you're doing. Um, I reached out to you when... Um, I was I was thinking about a move. I know that the training that you provide is unbelievable to to set someone up for success, and uh, I I'm spreading the word because I think that there are so many great people who, with given the opportunity, can be really successful. And and luckily, you're bringing in people that generally 
have uh, you know at least some experience in, in perseverance and and uh, you know I, I don't think that that can be overlooked in in any job. Hundred percent. Thank you very much. This wraps up this episode of Merchants of Change. If you enjoyed this episode, the most meaningful way to say thanks is to submit a review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're interested in working with us, please come find us at www.shiftgroup.io. 